All right, get ready to focus. This is Miles Biggs, your host of Relish the Journey. And our guest coming up very shortly is Seagorn Moose, also known as Your Focus Guy. Getting into all things mindset and focus, what that means to him, his journey towards the topics, and what he does now to help other people on their journeys. So let's get into it. Hey, C. Gordon, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I'm excited to get into your story. Well, thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it. Of course. So you are known as your focus guy. And so, of course, I got to ask, right? How did you become the focus guy, right? (laughs) Were you always Mr. Focus and Productivity? Or did you struggle with that, taught yourself, now you teach others? What's the story there? Yeah, well, it's interesting. No, I I have not always been focus that's for sure so <laughs> you know I'm, I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich which is basically you know what I've been trained in for the last you know two or three decades so um, you know just just going through and, and getting to a certain point in my life looking back and seeing you know where I've been successful or, or patterns of where I've been self-sabotaging or, or not successful and it always came down to focus for me, you know, whether it was in my athletic career or with my relationships or, or my, you know, my professional career. Um, you know, it, when I was more focused, I, I saw patterns. When I was more focused, I was more successful. And when I was less focused, I was less successful. So I really started connecting the dots, you know, with everything that I had learned and all the work that I've done and studied and the books that I've read. For me, it really comes down to focus. And, you know, when, when I'm super focused, or 10x focus, like I, you know, what I what I want to say is, um, you know, I'm more successful. So that's really where it comes down. And then, you know, people would invite me and say, you know, what's your secret? You know, how do you do it? And so that's where the whole find your focus and your focus guy really morphed from uh, from people just uh, you know requesting and finding out want to find out more about what I'm up to. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, focus, small word, big meaning, right? You know, it's very uh, tiny as far as English words goes. And it seems like it should be simple. And what you say makes total sense. Yeah, when I'm more focused, I'm more successful. But it's not always that easy, right? Especially in our world of digital distractions. So how did you discover it? I mean, how did you unearth that idea of, oh, I just need to focus? And how do you define focus? Where do you start? Let's dive into that. Yeah. Well, I worked, I don't know if you know who Bob Proctor is. Bob Proctor is, uh, he's been around, he's probably most famous for his part in the movie, The Secret. Um, and I was fortunate enough, I worked with Bob for about three years. Um, you know, I, I had a, a, a year-long coaching program with him. And, you know, he's he's been around for a long time. He, he He's on the Napoleon Hill Foundation. He knew Napoleon Hill personally, along with Earl Nightingale and, and Zig Ziglar and, you know, all the icons. Um, and so he used to have us do focus exercises. I mean, you know, he would, he would have us, uh, uh, do things like get, um, you know, 80, um, 80 pennies or 80 items, whether they're, we were paper clips or pebbles or pennies and just one by one, move them from one place to another and focus on nothing but that. In other words, to really train your brain to shut everything else out. Right. And, uh, I remember one time when I was having trouble, believe it or not, he, he told me to, he said, you have grass in your backyard. I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, your exercise today is go out and watch the grass grow. I said, what he said i want you to get down on your on the ground put your head you know on the ground and watch the grass grow and i thought he was kidding but he said you do know the grass grows right i'm like well yeah he goes i want you to focus on one blade of grass until you see it grow and so 
that's what I did. And, you know, it took me about 50 minutes, but the, the, there was no wind and the grass actually moved. I saw the grass move. And so the point is he was, he was training me how to really shut out all other distractions and to focus, uh, focus all of my attention on, um, and my willpower on one task, one item, you know, and that's when it really dawned on me that, you know, we were endowed with these amazing mental muscles, right? Our, our intuition, our imagination, our perception, uh, you know, our reasoning, uh, our memory and our willpower. And, you know, we all have it. We all have very tremendous wills and focus is the function of your willpower. So how do you tap into that? Right. And that's, that's really, that's where the think and grow rich stuff came into play because, you know, for anybody that's read that book, uh, desire is the starting point of all achievement. That's the first chapter in the book. So when you're, when you have desire based focus, in other words, when you are very clear on what you want, why you want it and how you're going to make it happen in your life. And you, you use that desire to focus your willpower, your energy, you can move mountains. And that's, that's really where I started to, you know, really develop the combination of, of what Bob was having me do with focus and other things that I've studied with focus with the thinking grow rich stuff, because it's really all about desire based focus. When your when your desire is so real for you and so tangible that you can touch it, taste it, see it, feel it, um, you can focus on it. And when you do that, things just start to move in your direction. So that's really how it, it came about for me. Yeah, what really comes to my mind when you're talking about that is it sounds like that was that was really med- meditation exercises before meditation was as popular as it is now, right? Like you said, it's tuning out all the distractions and focusing on one thing, whether you're moving, moving pennies from one side of a table to another or watching grass grow. It's sort of like a walking meditation in some respects. We get so dialed in on that exercise that you get clarity on everything else. Um, well, uh, good. I totally, I totally agree with you. It's, you're grounding yourself. You're centering yourself, right? You're, you're cutting out those distractions, right? You're, 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 you're concentrating on things like your breath, right? And absolutely, it's a form of meditation, 100%. However, and I meditate. I meditate every day, which you know, I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners do as well. It's a great practice. And you know, however, the only thing I found missing was that. You, when you when you add your desire in, right, and you add the emotional connection that you have to your desire, you can channel that energy, um, you know, towards that desire. Where it, typically in meditation, you're, you know, you're you're really shutting everything out. Um, and it, you're 100 correct. There's you know there's ver- there's parallel lines there that you're that you're referring to, and it is really about grounding. It's about settling. Uh, it's about calming down. Right, Bob Proctor's got a great thing. He says you don't have to slow down he said you should settle down right calm down right you don't have to slow down calm down right and so when you really you have that desire right there in front of you you can close your eyes and you'll see it that's where you can concentrate your will and obviously you know for people that are very well practiced in meditation you know uh, they've trained their brain to be able to do that and so they're ahead of the game 100 percent. so this makes so much sense to me partially because i've done all this work on myself you know like really finding my own type of focus and ways to do that. I know I take it for granted sometimes because it's something that I focus on often and I'm always on some other topic of, you know, self-mastery. What do you think for people that are just getting into this, just opening themselves up to this idea, where do they start? Like, what do you do to start focus or start meditation or sort of tap into that power of, like you said, still being busy, but settling in and settling down into the busy instead of being frantic with it? 
Right. Well, I am not an expert on meditation. I know what works for me. Um, so that, I think that is a big component. And when you when you use those practices, um, it just helps. It just helps you, I believe, in all areas of your life. So, you know, my first thing to do is if if that's something that you know that that, that speaks to you, go get some training in that. I mean, you can you know almost everywhere across the country. You know, there's places where you can go and 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 you know learn techniques for meditation, which is key. Uh, you know, as far as what, what you know, desire-based focus, it all starts with your desire. It all starts with really drilling down and peeling back the layers of the onion with regard to what you want. And I'll give you a perfect example. I was on a, I was on a call this morning, a coaching call, uh, and it was one of our first calls. And we always start there. And I asked the individual, I said, what is it that you want? You know, and, and she started going into different areas. I said, no, pick one of the five areas of your life, which, by the way, I'd be more than happy to share this with your listeners. Um, Pick one of the five areas of your life, right? Because what we do is we try to eat the elephant all over a bite. So, you know, the five areas are just in, in general, no particular order, your relationships, right? As number one, number two, uh, your health and your wellness, right? Your health being your body and your wellness being your mind, right? That's the second category. The third one is your education and your profession. The fourth one is your, your revenue, your income, your resources, your capital, your money, right? And, and I left money for the end because a lot of people think money is everything, but you've got resources and capital and, and, and revenue in far different areas. So that's number four. And then the last one is your spirit. So, you know, I told her, I said, which of those areas do you want to focus on now? Right. You know, so it's rather than trying to focus on your entire life at once, which is the mistake that I used to make, pick one of those areas. Right. And she said her profession. I said, great, let's focus on your profession. And then I said, what do you want in your profession? And she said, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be beholden to anybody and go to work uh, for anybody anymore. And she makes a pretty good salary. I said, okay, great. And, and then she said, and I want financial freedom. I'm like, well, that's cool. Those two things are, you know, they are connected. I said, however, that is really a separate, you know, that's, that's the money, the revenue side. However, you can work on it together. So to make a long story short, we took those two areas and we started to really define what it is that she wants. Right. And, I kept asking her this question, why? Every time she came up with an answer, I would say, why? Why do you want that? And she'd come up with another answer. I said, well, why do you want that, right? It usually happens about the fourth or fifth, sometimes the sixth time you ask that why question. Every time you come up for an, with an answer, when you're focusing on something, you keep asking, well, why do I want that? And why do I want that, right? Because you're narrowing that focus. Do you understand what I mean? And then, and then when you get to that emotional you, you 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 can hear it in their voice, right? When you're face to face with somebody, you can see it in their in their gestures and their body language. They actually get to the emotional why, right? So that's when you're really getting to that desire and that real reason why you want to do it. And when you keep that present, right, for them, and, and you you know, there's different ways and different techniques to do that to, to keep it present, you know, just over a sustained period of time. That's when all of a sudden everything that they do starts to move in that direction. That they start to focus their energy on that, and they start to to exclude and eliminate distractions. Right. So it is sort of meditation, you know, on a specific thing that you desire. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Your whole asking why thing. I used to work in a manufacturing environment, and that's that's really a principle of lean manufacturing. Is you know asking why all those times to go from a symptom of a problem to the actual problem. So it's interesting to hear you apply that to you know, a person and those areas of your life. That's neat. I think it's probably, I think it's probably the most important question we could ever ask ourselves, right? Forget about the how, right? Bob Proctor's got a great song. He said, forget about the how. If the why is big enough, 
you'll figure out the how, right? If the sure. why is big enough, you'll figure out the how. And most people, especially if you're an A personality, you want to figure out how before you get going. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of ass backwards, pardon my French, but you'll, the biggest question you should always ask yourself is why am I going to do the next thing that I'm going to do? It either moves you towards your desire when you know what it is and it's clearly defined, or it moves you away from your desire. There's no standing still. You're either moving towards your desire or you're moving away from it. And it's always that next step. And you should always ask yourself, why? Why am I taking this next step? And that, that to me is the most important question. Well, you walked right into it here, right? So I'm going to ask you why. Why are you the focus guy? What, uh, what's your desire with everything that you're doing in this field? Yeah. Well, let me answer that question by, by you know, making the distinction between goals, vision, and purpose, because I think a lot of people don't understand that. You know, my goal in 2020 is to have 100,000 people that have, uh, that have been exposed to me and my programs, whether it's through meetup groups and Facebook and LinkedIn and podcasts. And, you know, we're doing a, a October event where we're probably going to have, you know, 1,000 people there. You know, and I'm no, by the way, I'm nowhere near there. I'm not, I'm nowhere near, not even close to halfway being there. So I've given myself until December 31st at midnight of 2020. And my goal is 100,000 people. The vision is uh, that I have in achieving that goal, right, is doing things like this, podcasts, networking with influencers, doing events, uh, and so on and so forth, right? My purpose, right, which I really think is the question you're asking me, my purpose is to create safety and security and comfort and pleasure for myself, my family, my friends, and my community. And that's why I do everything I do. That's been for probably the last 10, 11 years, maybe 12 years. Everything I've done, even though in, the, in that period of time, I've, I've had several different you know, positions and gigs and everything else. That's it. My purpose is safety and security, comfort and pleasure for myself, my, my family, my friends, and my community. It's because I know that when I bring that to the conversation and when I bring that to everything I do, it changes the world. And I don't mean to be corny, but at the end of the day, we're all here for a purpose, right? And, and that's my purpose. And that's why I do everything. And I do it through training people to really get 10x focus and what I call mega max personally productive. Because when you're productive, time it no longer exists. It doesn't matter because you're, you're making the best use of everything that you're doing. So it's kind of a long-winded answer, but that's it. I mean, it's, it's all about um, safety and security and comfort and pleasure for me and everybody that I come into contact with. Yeah. I mean, and there's no doubt that you're passionate and knowledgeable about what you're doing. It, it comes through in the way you're talking right now. I'm, I'm curious, you know, before you found this desire and your why and your desire, right? What was life like for you? Right. Um, I can't imagine you weren't always this upbeat and positive and so sure about what you were doing. Let's roll the clock back, right? What was it like before you figured all this out? Yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> I thought I forgot about that part of my life. But no, no, no. It, you know, I was very selfish. I mean, it was all about me. And, um, you know, the thing that really changed my life was I, you know, when my daughter was born, which was about 16 years ago. And, uh, I was very selfish. You know, I was, I was, I was, uh, you know, earning a lot of money. I was, uh, you know, just doing whatever I felt like doing. I, I was, you know, I didn't have any real responsibilities. Therefore, you know, one could say I was irresponsible. Um, I wasn't really doing anything bad or wrong. I just wasn't doing anything super productive. And, you know, I was wasting time and energy and money and running through relationships. And, you know, it just, 
it wasn't real pretty. I mean, it wasn't ugly, but you know, looking back, it was just, it was kind of a waste of time, which is, you know, if I could go back and recapture those 20 years, um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I traveled all over the world. I've met great people. I've lived in different places. I mean, you know, I, I, I've had a really great life. That's not my point. My point is I would have had more direction, right? And I would have been more focused. I would have been more productive. And, and so, you know, I've really, you know, I really, I've, I've, I've realized that the, the world does not revolve around me and that there's something bigger out there. You know, there's, you know, there's a higher, there's a higher calling, you know, again, another distinction I like to make with people, passion versus purpose, right? Passion. I was, I was, I was doing what I love doing, right? I was passion is when you, you do what you love to do, whether it's painting or ice skating or riding your bike or sailing, that's something you do for yourself. But your purpose is really your passion beyond yourself, right? So it's, 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 it's about what you love doing, but it's in service beyond you. It's bigger than you, right? So I was really living that passionate life, but it was all about me. Until I really realized that I, I'm here for a bigger purpose, right? And so now I'm, I'm being passionate about, you know, doing something bigger beyond my life, right? And so, um, again, you know, my, I would, I had a great life. I had a lot of fun, but it wasn't, it wasn't as focused and it wasn't as, uh, uh purposeful, you know, and, and as corny as that sounds, it's, it's really true for me. No, it doesn't sound corny at all to me because I feel like similar thing happened to me when my son was born two and a half years ago. You know, it's like you think you get why you're on the planet and what you want out of things, and then you become a parent, and it's, it completely changes everything. So <laughs> I can totally yeah. relate to that. Yeah, exactly. Well, wait till he becomes a teenager. <laughs> oh, gosh. I feel like he already is. He's two and a half going on 20. It's wild. Oh, He's got quite a little attitude on him. It's funny. That's funny. Well, but it's, it's true, though. You know, and, and again, it's so funny. You'll, you can appreciate this. You remember when you saw out when you are married and, and – your friends that had kids, you'd be like, oh, my God, they're talking about their kids again, right? Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, the guys that I graduated from college with, you know, that got married when they were right out of college, you know, while I was screwing around during my 20s and 30s, I mean, they were having kids and, you know, running businesses and buying real estate. And I was just, you know, footloose and fancy free. And uh, I look back and go, geez, maybe they were on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, you know, we all have our own way to get where we need to go eventually, right? It's I, that's, that's, I always say to that I people totally about regrets. I, whenever I'm a guest on podcasts, I often get a question like that, right? About a, what's your biggest regret or something you would change. And I know I can honestly say it would be nothing because I just don't think I'd be where I'm at right now if I didn't go through everything I went through, right? I wouldn't have the full appreciation for everything I have and everything I'm going to do and have done and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, if I hadn't had the quote unquote regrets along the way. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I mean, it's 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 like the the the, the, the uh, Sanskrit way of thinking. You know, everybody's on their own path. You know, and and uh, you know, it, exactly. I was just—it's so funny because I was thinking about that walking down the street today, and I, you know, I was thinking like everything has led me up to this point. Like every decision I ever made, for good or for ill, um, you know, everything I did, um, and that's just that's the way life is. And you know, I don't think you know it takes a certain level of maturity, not necessarily age, because I don't you know age is. It's relative, but I'm talking about maturity to really understand that. And then you can forgive yourself, right? You can, and you can look back and say, okay, this is, now I can see why I did that. And it's okay. You know, as long as you didn't hurt anybody or, you know, you know what I mean? It's, you know, you can look back and say, okay, you know, now I'm, there's nothing I can do about that about except learn from the past and move on into, you know, create a new future or, or, or the future that you want. So I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, I really don't have that many regrets. You know, there are a few things obviously that I did. I, I, 
I'd like to go back and, and, you know, redo, you know, mostly in relationships, you know, I, you know, I, I probably, you know, could have been a little bit better boyfriend, um, you know, or whatever, you know, maybe a better son, you know, once or twice, but, uh, um, you know, for the most part, I totally agree with you, you know, everything, you know, everything you've done in your life has led you to this point. The question is, what are you going to do now? And I think that's a very important question. Right. Yeah. And I like that word you touched on maturity. And I'm curious in every, all your dealings with folks and you're not at a hundred thousand yet, but I'm sure it's a, a good amount of people of several thousand that you've worked with and, and interacted with in some fashion, right? How do you think maturity factors into focus? And do you get any sort of immature pushback on, you know, this whole idea of people that say you're full of crap and that's not going to fix their yeah. problems? Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I, I run, uh, I run uh, Think and Grow Rich groups where we go for about 16, 15 or 16 weeks. And we take each chapter and each week what we do is the homework is to read the chapter and then we do a live Zoom call and we talk about the chapter. You know, it's usually, usually there's, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 people in the room or in the Zoom or whatever. And it's so funny because usually around week three, um, you know, people people are there, then they're in, right? Because if they stick around for that long, which they do because they pay ahead of time. Um, you know, did you ever see the National Geographic or whatever, where all the penguins are lined up on the cliff and they're all waiting to jump in? I mean, there's got to be millions of them, right? And then, right. you know, one penguin finally jumps in and then they all jump in. You know, I don't know if they're waiting for killer shark, killer whales or sharks or whatever, but that's kind of how it is. Right around week, week three or week four, you know, you always got one person that's got their hands folded and they're just, you know, negative and yeah, whatever, this isn't, it's a bunch of crap, you know, and then right around week three or four, you know, they all jump in and they're, they're, they're in for the long haul. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's absolutely, I mean, you know, emotional maturity, um, you, you know, really being able to take a hard, cold look in the mirror, uh, because a lot of people get confronted, you know, when you, when you challenge them and I tell people, I said, listen, I'm your, you know, you hired me to be your coach and be your guide. Um, I'm going to tell it how it is. And, you know, I'm going to call you out on stuff because that's what you want me to do. You don't want me to fall for your old games and listen to your ego. Right. And, 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 and allow you to be, um, you know, a coward with regard to facing your fears. You want me to call you, you know, to be courageous. Right. And so people absolutely get confronted. I mean, you know, and, and it's, it's so easy. I've trained thousands of people, so I see it coming. You know what I mean? And, and I know that I know it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this type of work is confronting. You know, when you when you have to look at yourself in the mirror, um, it's it, it's something most people do. You know, and and another exercise Bob Proctor had to do. He said, "I want you to I want you every morning before you brush your teeth or shave." He said, "I want you to get about six inches from the mirror and for sixty seconds just stare at yourself in the mirror. Just look at your eyes in the mirror." Do you know most people don't do that? It's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. You know, most people cannot even stand in the privacy of their own bathroom, six inches from the mirror and look at themselves in the eye. And it's, it's, it was an exercise to say, you need to look at yourself in the mirror because, you know, if you're not willing to do that, then you're not being honest with yourself. You're not being honest with anybody else. And they'll, they'll see right through you. So absolutely, absolutely. This type of work, when you're guiding people through this, it can't be, it can't be confronting for people. Yeah. And if you're not willing to look at yourself, right? What right do you have to look at other people and judge them, right? It's that that whole idea as well. Well, and, and you know, that brings up, exactly. You know, we judge people, we judge other people based on their actions. We judge ourselves based on our intentions, right? I mean, totally different standard. It's a double standard, right? And and so, you know, well, I intended to do that, so I'm okay, even though I, you know, did something wrong. And, we, we, you know, we were quick to judge others, um, you know, based on what they did. 
right? But it's really about that introspective, right? Looking at ourselves and saying, you know, be, if you can't be honest with yourself, how in the world can you expect anybody else to be honest with you? Or if you can't love yourself, how can you expect anybody else to love you? Or if you can't trust yourself, how can you expect anybody else to trust themselves? So a lot of that is, listen, a lot of the work is focusing on yourself, right? And so that's where it all, that's where it all begins. And a lot of people are just, they're, we're not trained to do that. You know, I mean, we're just, we're really not. We're trained to look outside of ourselves. You know, the government's going to solve our problems, or it's my boss's problem at work, or my spouse is, you know, you know, everything is my spouse's fault, right? We don't, we don't look within because that's where it really, that's the root of it. Right. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Probably the biggest skill you could learn in life is how to live with yourself and know yourself and how you move about the world. And that's, they don't teach that anywhere in any level of our education system, right? Um, it's Definitely not the Western. I mean, if you want to do that, go to Tibet and, and do a you know thirty day silence uh, right. uh, retreat where you're literally silent for thirty days. That you want to open your eyes? That's an eye. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. I've gone for about four days though. That's a long it's, time. It's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, it's it's really not easy. And you know, there's monks that do it for few years. Oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So I'm curious when yeah. you were, when you were first getting started. You know, your your child was born. You sort of started to make this pivot. You set out on this path with the desire to better yourself and to find your focus and then help others find theirs. Was there any real solid piece of advice other than some of the anecdotes you've already shared from Bob Proctor that uh, that stand out to you that you still think about today? Well, you know, I've been very fortunate because I've had I, I played hockey. I had a, a semi professional hockey career. I played in college, so I, I've had some really incredible mentors and coaches. You know, and I got to tell you one, you know, I'll share a real quick experience. I used to go to Notre Dame summer hockey camp, right? And the the, uh, the college guys, the guys that played college for Notre Dame at the time were the counselors because they were there during the season. You can't really carry a full load. So they would do their summer school and then they'd work as counselors um, and get paid. You know, they'd make a couple of bucks and they'd stay on the ice and, and so on and so forth. Well, there was one gentleman, his name was Alex Pyrus. Um, you know, he had about an eight year career in the NHL, but he was my coach, right? I, th- I think it was probably 14 years old. And, you know, I've, I've been around hockey all my life. I've met Cordy Howe and Cherry Cheevers and Bobby Orr and Bobby Hall. And you name it, I've met them, right? Never asked any of them for a career, right? You know, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, the whole nine yards, right? Never, Chelios, never asked any of them for an autograph. Well, the only autograph I've ever gotten in my life from a hockey player um, was from Alex Pyrus. And it was at the, I'll never forget, it was the last day of, of summer camp. And I idolized him. He was just in most, not because he was an incredible hockey player, which by the way, he was just because he was a good guy. Right. And he really took, he really cared about us. Right. And I just asked him for an autograph and you know, he wrote, and I still have it by the way. He's, he wrote to a great hockey player moves, right. Which is actually what he called me, you know, to a great hockey player moves. Right. And then he signed it to Alex Pyrus. Well, I found it years later because I stuck it in a Bible that I kept, and and that really stuck with me. I that, I've, I've had that I carry with I've had it, it's laminated now. But to answer your question, that really made an impact on me. Where when he said when I looked at that and he said I was a great hockey player, I lived into that. I actually in, in that moment I believed that right, and I, you know, from then on I, everything I did, I just that kept resonating with me right. And he, I could all I, I just fell back on that. And it was probably one of the greatest things that anybody could have ever done for me because he believed in me, right? And he, he was willing to put it on a piece of paper and sign his name to it. And it just, it gave me the confidence to really do things that I otherwise probably wouldn't have done. Not only in, not only in hockey, but in, in, in other areas of my life as well. So, you know, it, 
and you can appreciate this. You know, really, you really have to be careful what you say to people because you never know how it's going to sit with them. You never know what impact it's going to have, right? And so, certainly as a parent, you know, our kids repeat everything we say. So, but beyond that, you know, be kind to people, be nice to people, you know, be complimentary to people. It's just be gracious with people because you never know who they are, you never know what they're going through, and you never know how that might impact. And you want to hear a funny story? Years later, I'm talking like 25 years later, I was doing business with a guy. And he was of Alex Pyrus in Notre Dame, right? Now, I lost, I lost track of Alex, right? Because remember, Alex was a college kid when I was in, like, ninth grade. And I, he, 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 he said he went to Notre Dame. I said, well, how old are you? And he said, well, I said, really? I used to go to Notre Dame hockey camp. He goes, oh, my roommate was, was on the hockey team. Mm. And I said, you're kidding. I said, what was your roommate's name? He said, Alex. And I said, you mean Alex Pyrus? You should see the look on this guy's face. He goes, how in the hell did you know that? I said, he was my coach. I used to go to Notre Dame hockey camp. He said, you're kidding. He's, he said, he's one of my best friends. Two days later, I'm sitting at a Starbucks with Alex Pyrus. Nah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And I brought the piece of paper that he signed. I said, do you remember signing this? He said, no. I said, it made such a huge difference in my life. It, it almost made him cry. And he's, you know, 50 years old. So, you know, you just never know. You just never know. Yeah, for sure. Well, because what I think was powerful about what you said, it, it sort of became an identity piece for you, right? You believed then you were a great hockey player, so then you started to identify as one, carry yourself as one, talk to yourself as one, and it took someone else saying it first. So to your point, we never know how what we say affects others. You know, We're shaping the identities of other people, whether we realize it or not. And so it's really important to be careful with what, what we say and really focus on building each other up as much as possible because why do anything else, right? Well, and it starts with you. I mean, you know, the second chapter of the of the book, Think and Grow Rich, is called Auto Suggestion, right? And it's it's really it's it's the medium by which you influence the subconscious mind. You know, what is your internal dialogue? What's your conversation with yourself? Because it, it's you know, your voice is the is the voice that you hear most in your life, right? Nobody else in your life is are you going to hear their voice more than than yours, right? And so, your voice is is the most important voice to listen to. And so many people have negativity and negative thoughts going through their mind. Right. And, and really getting a handle on that is key. But I agree with you 100 percent. You know, his belief in me was bigger than my belief in myself. And, you know, Bob Proctor used to say that. He said, Carl, when you when you doubt your belief in yourself, he said, believe in my belief in you. And that got me by many, many things as well, because when I started to doubt myself, I fell back on what he told me. He said, when you doubt your own belief, believe in my belief in you, he said, because I believe in you. And that's in essence what Alex Pyrus was saying to me years earlier, he was, he was giving me that moniker and said, I think you're a great hockey player. And I mean, I was on cloud nine, you know what I mean? And so that, that really, it's so important what we say to ourselves. And it's so important to have positive people that are building you up. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. So my, uh, culminating question in every podcast episode is I ask every guest to describe their journey so far in three words. So for you, as we talk about this whole way you found the idea of focus, you know, time you spent in hockey, the mentors you've had, everything we've talked about, right? How would you summarize everything you've done so far, this journey that you're on and you're going to continue to be on? How would you summarize it in three words? A reluctant adventure. <laughs> okay, I like that. So reluctant, what? Life's pulling you along, right? Why, why reluctant? Because I've I've gotten in my own way and been so reluctant in so many areas of my life where if I just I, if I just would have had a different attitude you know what I mean and just just a different outlook um, 
you know, it, it's been a great adventure. And I think, it, I think I would have maybe smelled the roses a little bit more along the way. Um, and, 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 uh, maybe taking some more photographs, but, uh, you know, there was reluctance for a long time. Well, I think that's a, that's a common thing, right? You know, so, and, and the sooner we can all realize that the better off we are, because then we can better take advantage of what's right in front of us. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you spending time with us, me and the, and the listeners here today. As we wrap up here, where should I send people to find you? If they love what you have to say, they, they want to get more of Seagorn Moose, where do they go? Well, uh, my website is www.yourfocusguide.com. And um, what, I'm, what I've got going right now is um, I've got about 10 spots. Um, you know, I'm offering people if they want to do a, you know, a 50, quick 15 minute, I call it a focus foundation call. Um, you know, if they want to get in touch with me and, and, and have a 15 minute, uh, no cost, you know, no obligation, uh, I call it focus foundation just to kind of find out where they're at with regard to focus and, and productivity. Um, you know, they could go, they can email me and, and request a, a time to do that. I'd be more than happy to do that for your listeners, uh, at info. Uh, at yourfocusguy.com. So just I-N-F-O at yourfocusguy.com. And if you just put in their uh, focus foundation, I'll know what they're talking about. I'll be more than happy to, uh, I'd be more than happy to, um, to schedule that with them. Awesome. Well, we'll send them your way. And again, thanks. I appreciate your time. And thank you, Miles. I'm glad we finally connected and, and uh, you know, keep up the good work. And if there's anything I could ever do for you, let me know. All right. Thanks. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Relish the Journey. Very special thanks to Sigurd Moose for being our guest and for sharing his story. And of course, thank you to all of you for joining us once again. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and feel like someone else you know would love it, please go ahead and share so that we can grow our audience. Also, if you wouldn't mind rating and subscribing to the podcast, that helps us move and groove up the charts and reach more people that way. So again, I am Miles Biggs, your host of Relative Journey. Until next time, everybody, cheers.